Hi, I'm calling because I was at the last Monster Bash. Uh, it was fantastic. I, I got some pictures of you actually doing interviews. I was actually uh, drawn there by uh, Drac and Karita and the Mummy and the Monkey because those guys are just great. But it was just awesome meeting this Veronica Coulson and uh, writers like Brad Braddock, Dwight Kemper, and uh, director Sam Urban. Everyone was fantastic and sharing personal stories that you can't hear anyplace else. So uh, just wanted to chime in on that. Thanks for everything and stay safe. Thought I'd kick off this episode of the podcast with a voicemail. That came in from a recent attendee of the Monster Bash, calls himself Papa Bear. And I did see you floating around the convention, taking pictures. And ladies and gentlemen, the picture that you see on the website for this episode, well, that came from him as well. Thanks for allowing me to use your photography here on the show, on the podcast, Monster Kid Radio, where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, and Monster Bash enthusiast, Derek M. Cook. And man, I got to tell you, it was an amazing convention. I mean, you guys and gals heard last week's episode where you got some recordings from people that were at the convention. Well, guess what you're getting this time around? You don't just get that voicemail from Papa Bear. You're going to get a voicemail from a new friend of the show. You're going to hear that here in a second. And you're going to hear some conversations that I had with even more people at the Monster Bash. Let me see if I can remember them all. We had friends of the show, Tim Durbin and Todd Brown. We had John Kitley, who's never been on the show before, but I've always wanted to have him on here. And then Brad A. Braddock, an author who has been on the show in the past, is going to not just be on the show to talk about Monster Bash, but at Monster Bash, he gave us an impromptu reading from his new book. So you're going to hear that too. Also, you've got something that I recorded after Monster Bash, but it's about Monster Bash. Chris McMillan and I met up for a Monster Bash debrief where we went to go see a classic monster movie, and then we ended up talking about what the Monster Bash meant to him. It was his very first time, and I was real eager to hear his thoughts on the conference, how it went, what he thought of it, did he have a good time, and will he be going back? This is another Monster Bash-centric episode, but of course, we've got our regular segments. Professor Frenzy sent us a new bedtime story, and Kenny has another look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We're going to get into all of that and a few other things, like Steve Turek and I finally sitting down and announcing who won the Monster Movie Madness Tournament 2019. We finally are going to tell you which movie took the top spot. Was it 1931's Frankenstein or 1954's Gojira? You know what? We're going to find that out later in this episode. Here we go. Hello, Derek. It's your new best-dressed friend from Monster Bash, Bill Mize. And I just wanted to call in and say thank you for everything that you and your friends did for making my first Monster Bash so enjoyable. It was wonderful to meet you, Steve Turek, Chris McMillan, that Minx Dominique, David Colton, and my friends from the Classic Horror Film Board. It was just a wonderful experience all around. Really just wanted to call in personally and just say thank you for everything that you do for us Monster Kids. As far as Monster Kid Radio and the Plan 9 podcast, I'm all over it. Thank you again. I hope to see you at next year's Monster Bash. Between now and then, you and I are going to get together and we're going to talk about my podcast and maybe I'll even be a guest here soon. I would love that. My best to you and Brenda and the kitties and everyone. Y'all take care. We'll talk to you later. 
biggest ghost you've ever met, this ghost of Dragstrip Hollow. He's got the Hot Rodders Vavoomin and the Hepcats Zazoomin. She your chick? Well, I'd like to think so. You know, she prefers hot rods instead of hot romances. That's because it's easier to handle cars. <laughs> this chick does all right with romance, too. But nothing stops this pirate's bird who learned his tricks from the ghost of Dragstrip Hollow. <laughs> Anybody want to kiss a duck? It's a perfectly rational explanation for all this. <laughs> Cats and hot rodders, they're all alive to the jive. <laughs> How often has this happened to you? You're on your way home after a long day when suddenly tragedy strikes. No human mind could imagine the enormous destructive power of this maddened, killing thing. Professor, there's a big lizard back there and he's heading this way. Now get aboard! It's the kind of thing which can ruin your weekend. To prevent catastrophe, you need the Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack. This book features extensively researched methods to help you survive a giant monster event. You'll discover which vehicle you should use for making your escape, which method of counterattack is best for specific types of monsters. Hydrogen weapons, capable of wiping cities, countries off the face of the earth, are completely ineffective against this creature from the skies. And what common mistakes people make while fighting back. So pick up your copy of The Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack by Anthony Wendell today on Amazon. You can thank us by surviving. Steve, we're going to have to have a talk about copyright. I'm not the one that has to worry about it. Steve Turek, the man behind the Monster Movie Madness Tournament 2019, an idea that he had back in March, and we thought it would be fun to do and kind of zip through, and it is now June. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> you know, I think the thing is, is that we were just thinking... Real easy to do, one a week, or like in my brain, it's like, oh, one a week, no problem. But then, no, a week to vote, then we got to announce, then another week, and then I get busy, and then, yeah. Life happens, as you like to say. <laughs> Life happens. Life happens. I don't know why you didn't just do it on your own, but, you know. I, I, I don't know why. I, I, I needed your support to make sure that, that there's listeners out there that actually would vote. If I just did it, I would have maybe five people vote, and that would be my family. But having you involved, <laughs> we actually got a whole lot of people to vote, and being here at the Monster Bash and talking to a lot of the people who have voted, there was a lot of interest in gotcha. the tournament and a lot of discussion. Well, I think you needed me because of my in-depth knowledge and awareness of how sports ball works. 
Oh, yes. Without you, I mean, I would never know how the NCAA basketball tournaments run. That's right. I mean, you were the man that brought the sports knowledge to it. You that's are right. like Al Michaels of sports knowledge, and that's a name you have no idea what I'm talking say, I about. And Michaels I could throw is. some more, but why go there? Now, this has been fun. Um, I don't know if we're going to do the exact same thing next year, but we have something else in the works that we'll do. Then we'll talk about yeah, we'll talk about that. But let's let's talk about this poll or this uh, tournament. Let's talk about what happened. Um, we started with 64. We pulled these 64 from the previous year's top 100 monster movie poll, uh, and we seeded everything accordingly. And the number one seed did not win the end. Win in the end. That's true. King Kong was knocked out in the frightful four, which made it wide open. And the number two seed and the number four seed. Frankenstein and Godzilla were the only two remaining. Which one was which? Um, Frankenstein was number two. Godzilla was number four. So Godzilla would have to pull up yet another upset to beat Frankenstein to be the number one favorite monster movie. And again, we're saying favorites. We're not talking best. We're talking movies that you just always enjoy. And I think, really, as you said many times, almost all these movies that are on the list, we all enjoy. Yes. So it, it, it gets very hard to pick. And I know... Again, from talking to listeners here at the Monster Bash, there was a lot of tough choices for people. It, it, it was like they, they were telling me it was like picking between their children, about who they're going to vote for, who they hope wins, and so on. And, and I think that's the fun part. I think it, it was definitely a lot of fun. Well, a few upsets along the way, a few disappointments, a few moments where the listeners let me down and did not advance Creature from the Black Lagoon further. It, it wasn't from from a lack of trying on your part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got a few Go Go Godzillas out there, and, and you seem to play the whole trailer of the creature almost every time until he disappeared at the end. My show. Well, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying you, I would have done the same thing if it was my show. I would have pulled out every trick in the book. I do what I want. All right, so we're down to Frankenstein and Godzilla, 1931-1954. Classic Universal, classic Toho. What do we got? Do you want me to say who actually won? Do you want us to give it away now? The Wizard of Oz. Yes. Oh, what one? Listeners, as you all know, I am a happy man. Godzilla had 61% of the vote. 60.9 to be exact. Over Frankenstein. And is the king of the monsters. Could be a couple of different reasons for that. Um, Steve's campaigning. Steve's rigging the ballot. What? What? <laughs> Steve getting all of his co-workers and friends and people he barely know to vote. For Godzilla. Or Godzilla's in the pop culture right now because of the film. I don't know. I think it was mainly, I think because the film, by sheer luck, because, it, as you said, it went a lot longer than we anticipated. We never thought we'd be um, in late June <laughs> to talking about the wrap-up. But uh, the King Kong, I mean, the King Kong, the Godzilla movie, I'm thinking of the next movie now, Godzilla versus King Kong. But the King, the Godzilla movie, King of the Monsters, I think did have a big effect on the poll. And it was definitely in the voters' consciousness then about it, and I think that I think that helped it out. And I mean, we can whatever reason it was, my guy came out on top in the end. I'm a happy guy, but as you said many times, I think, and I've said, everybody I think had fun with this this tournament, and that's the main thing. It it, it had some discussion, it had some tournaments, um, talk of different rounds going on. I mean, we had Dracula versus Horror of Dracula. We had Frankenstein versus Bride. We had King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, we had a lot of awesome, awesome matchups 
every round had, I think, at least one or two that people could just look at and just say, wow, which one's going to come out of this? And we had extreme close ones. Yeah, we did. Uh, and during that time, which made it, uh, for you and I who were able to see the poll, extremely fun. And I, and I think I think the listeners, you've heard people talk. I think a lot of people had fun with this. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I had fun watching the conversations. I didn't throw my uh, my my own opinion in too much. I mean, I, I was pretty restrained with what I wanted to see happen. Well, we know what you what movie you wanted in the end, <laughs> and I mean, even, even if you didn't put his trailer on everything, if people know, I mean, you like God, you like creature, I like Godzilla. We also, I like creature, and you like Godzilla. I mean, it's just we like we like all of them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So there are no losers here, really, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I'm saying I'm saying creature did, did not lose. Creature was a winner by getting to. The frightful four, because that was a tough thing to do. Just to get, it had to go for a long, hard course to get that far. How is it we're talking about a movie that was knocked out of the finals? <laughs> because it's your show. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Frankenstein had a pretty good showing, and you know there were a lot of Frankenstein this time around. Um, what were we calling it? The Frankenstein effect. The Frankenstein something, and we had a name for it. But I think all four of the final for a frightful four are. Movies or, or monsters that you could talk with virtually anybody, and they're going to know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so they have the marketing. They have the, the they're, they're icons of pop culture. And they will be for the next hundred years, a thousand years. They're never going to go away. And, and, that, and that's, I think that's, that, that's why they made it that far. They had that lasting power, that status. But for next year, should we talk about that briefly, about what we might do? Oh, yeah, let's talk about it. I'm going to need some listeners' help. I've been getting help from people here at the Monster Bash. We're thinking of turning it around. We're Instead of going for these movies that everybody's like, these are great, these are awesome, we're, we're going to call it the best of the worst or something along those lines. Movies that make you happy that the general public don't think are that good. And we're going to put them into a tournament format and the way I was going to do it is like I'm going to if, if I get 64 movies it'd be pretty simple I'll just do random draw and see them if I get over 100 movies from people then I'm just going to put them in a hat draw them and then and then when I get 64 that's the tournament and the other ones will be there for down the road if we ever if we you know get more movies and decide to do it again so if you can send Derek emails with movie titles that for prior to 1968 that are Movies that you think are good, that generally people wouldn't think are good. And to give you a couple of examples, I think of the giant claw falling in that category. Derek, you think of what? Uh, Sting of Death. Manos to Hands of Fate. Yeah. Uh, Billy the Kid versus Dracula. Death Curse of Tartu. So those are those are the movies we're talking about. Plane 9 from Outer Space. Yeah. Um, the Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Died and Came Back as Mixed Up Zombies. You, and he said that. In one breath. <laughs> and I may have gotten it wrong. <laughs> I don't know if you got it right or wrong, because literally some of these movies that people are giving me, I've never heard of before or have not seen in a long time. And the reason we're asking for movies now is it gives me time to prep, because look, I want to make sure when we do this tournament, I've seen all these movies at least once. And that way, I, when I'm talking with the experts that are going to help us do the regional breakdowns, I, I actually know what I'm talking about. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it, but uh, we're not going to do it until next year at this point. There are too many other things happening the rest of this year. Uh, I'm assuming we're still accepting ballots for the rallies at this point. I don't know when this episode is going to air. Actually, I should probably make sure this goes out first. So, 
So we got the rallies coming up, and we got a couple of theme months coming up, so... Yeah, uh, let's push this to next year, but let's not just wait till May. Let's let's start it sooner, since we need the week to recover and, and calculate and move on and all that. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I'm not talking about starting it this year. It's going to be next year. I'm just saying I need the movies early enough to give yeah. me time oh, to yeah, watch yeah, yeah. them. Yeah. So yeah, we won't start the tournament probably till February or the beginning. Of, probably February instead of March, we'll start it in February to give ourselves that extra month. I said May, didn't I? I know, but it's okay. We know what you meant. And people. It's not May Madness? Well, we could do that. And listeners, you got to remember this is. My old madness. We'll do it with Luchador movies. (laughs) This is the third day of the Monster Bash. Derek has been working the bash like a a fiend. He's been talking to everybody. Everybody's been coming to him. He's been talking to people like Veronica Carlson, Josh Kennedy. Oh, the list goes on. How many different people he's been talking to, which you'll be hearing as the shows go on i don't know how many episodes i'm going to get out of this but it's going to be a lot exactly and so if you hear him speak a a thing or two we are near the end of the last near the end of the bash and it has been a blast i've had fun i know derek's had fun a lot of people are having fun it's just been a wonderful time it has been awesome steve thank you for making it awesome by helping me out at the table as always you are the man even if you are into the sports ball thing and i don't get it that's okay. The listeners did. And listeners, I want to pre-thank you for helping us by sending movies to Derek. You know, that'll, that'll be, that he'll forward to me. And like I said, I just, I just, I'm going to need several months of prepping just to watch these hidden gems. Maybe we should call it the hidden gem tournament. I don't know. We'll work on the title. I like best of the worst a little bit. Yeah, I kind of do too, even though it kind of implies something, you know, but yeah, anyway, monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Email me and then I'll forward it to Steve. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. That's all I got too, man. I'm just, We're just having fun at the bash. Hear the music. Hello, everyone. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we are your hosts for NashyCast, the podcast about the films of Paul Nashy. We, for over five years, have brought you the joys of Spanish cinema, filtered through our brains to you. Yes, now... What is it that qualifies two Southern boys to talk about films that came out of Spain? And I can't think of a single thing. There's nothing that qualifies. Nothing. nothing. Except that we just love, love them, love them, love them. We love them. Nashi Cast yeah. covers the films of Paul Nashi and any other Spanish horror film that we can pretend we know something about. <laughs> yes. If you love beautiful women wearing incredibly short miniskirts in subarctic temperatures <laughs> chased by werewolves in leisure suits. If you love werewolves, vampires, unidentifiable beasts, or crazy people driving women around and talking like a maniac. <laughs> yes, flying cats, beheadings with axes. <laughs> Blood that looks like Sham- melted crayons. Shambling zombies, yeah. Some of the films that we've covered in the past are Mark of the Werewolf. Howl of the Devil. Vengeance of the Zombies. Or Arises from the Tomb. Tombs of the Blind Dead. Vampire's Night Orgy. Ooh, yes. Join us on this journey through the golden age of Spanish horror where Paul Nashi, Leon Klamowski, Jess Franco, Amando Diasorio take us through a filter Espanol. Join us for the Nashi cast. Double terror with the late night double feature with X, the fiend from beyond space, and the wall people. 
A crew of interstellar explorers must fight an unstoppable alien fiend from beyond space, hell-bent on consuming them all. Will they survive? Can they survive? And on the same program, a man must fight to save his only child from the clutches of strange invaders who use their advanced technologies to steal sleeping children through their bedroom walls. Are your children safe? Two terrors to tear you apart in the late night double feature. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Welcome to Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories, created especially for Monster Kid Radio. My name is Jerry Green. In this segment, I'm going to tell you a story from EC Horror Comics. Today's story is Horror Ahead. It is from The Haunt of Fear, number 16, the July-August issue from 1950. It was written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein, and the art was by Wally Wood. So sit back, relax, while I tell this hair-raising tale. A man walks into a curio shop and asks to buy something he saw in the window. A shrunken head. He says he will pay any price. The shop owner agrees to sell the piece, and then explains how he came to be in possession of it. It all started right here in this very shop, he says. A trip to Africa was announced in search of a shrunken head from the Gumbili tribe. Lester, the assistant shopkeeper, was invited along. How will we get a shrunken head from them, Mr. Avery, Lester asks. I'll figure something out, was his response. The two went to Africa with a guide that was friends with the Gumbali. They made their way through the jungle and found the tribe. After some bargaining and gifts of various western trinkets, the chief of the Gambali realized that his guests want a shrunken head, and he became very angry. He ordered the men out of his camp, but before they left, Avery snuck into a hut and stole two shrunken heads. However, he looks out the window and sees Lester being attacked by the chief. He shoots and kills the chief and runs away. In the distance, he heard Lester's screams, but he continued running. Weeks later, Avery finally made it back home to his shop. He believed he was safe, but a sword-carrying tribesman came through the door. He's followed in by Lester. Lester was able to bargain for his life and traded his life for Avery's head. The tribesman did his fell work on Avery. Back in the present day, Lester finishes telling his story. It wasn't in Africa I got this head. It was right here in the shop. And he shows the customer the shrunken head of Mr. Avery. The end. I hope you enjoyed that gruesome tale. First off, I could talk about the depiction of Africa and the presentation of the Africans as being a product of their time, and we can't judge a 1950 story by today's standards, blah, blah, blah. I'm tired of that rationalization. The story is racist. Full stop. The main twist here seems to be that we assume it is Avery telling his customer the story, when in fact it is Lester. It's not the most head-spinning twist we've seen, and it would work better if there was more consistency in the artistic depiction of Avery and Lester. 
Avery is a slim, dashing explorer type in most of the flashback, but then when he gets back to the shop at the end, he's a heavier, middle-aged man. The coolest thing about the story is that there are many panels where Lester's over-large eyes are like green-screened onto a scene. So we see his eyes looking over the African jungle, looking out the curio shop window, and looking over the words Africa. Also, Wally Wood's use of shadows is very dramatic. When we realize the storyteller is Lester at the end, we see his wild-eyed face in the shadows. Also, when they're in Africa, we see the characters as if they were lit by campfire or a lantern. It's very creepy. If you're interested in a copy of The Haunt of Fear, Volume 1, the book can be purchased on Amazon, and you can find a link to buy it on the MKR website. I hope you enjoyed that story. My name is Jerry Green, and you can find me on my podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show, where we talk about new indie comics, and Bat Books for Beginners, where we talk about historical Batman and Bat Family comics. You can also catch me on Twitter, at Professor Frenzy, and search for Professor Frenzy on YouTube, where you can find The Professor Frenzy Show and some exciting projects we have coming up. Stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. I feel my search is nearing an end. At last, the collectible toy oasis. Hey, Henry! Hey, kid! What's it gonna be? Indy or Han? Dr. Tongue's I had that shot, 7129 Northeast Fremont Street, vintage goofiness from years gone by. Sci-fi and fantasy memorabilia. We specialize in things your mother threw away. And some she didn't. Dr. Tongue's Toys. Thunderbird International Pictures presents The Death Curse of Tartoon. A legend black with evil and red with the blood of innocent youth. Photographed in the forbidding depths of the Florida Everglades, this is the incredible story of an archaeological excursion planned as an educational adventure and ending as a blood-spattered nightmare of incarnate hallucinations. Cold and slimy creatures without mercy hunt and kill, controlled by the soul of a rotting corpse. They danced over the grave of Tartu, who was restless in his coffin, and made passionate love on his burial mound until... They faced the terrible reality of the death curse of Tartu. Was it really a killer shark in the swamp waters, or was it Tartu, who had sworn vengeance on all who disturbed his grave? If we sit here and wait, it's only a matter of time until Tartu will destroy us all. Thrill to the heart-stopping suspense of scenes that spare no detail of horror. See the bloody massacre of terrified youngsters as Tartu the Witch Doctor returns to wreak vengeance. See the death curse of Tartu coming soon to this theater. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today, Derek continues his coverage of the magnificent 2019 Monster Bash, so I will continue with a look at the first famous Monsters of Filmland convention, held in New York City, November of 1974. In Famous Monsters 116, there was a 12-page article with 14 pictures written by Paul Linden. 
In it, he gives a detailed description of the convention, with its rooms full of masks, Gogo's paintings, and other monster kid goodies, and its events, like the costume contest, makeup exposition, and visits with Peter Lorre's daughter, and the star of the show, Forrest J. Ackerman. Let's hear some of the highlights of Mr. Linden's report. Across the hall from the exhibition of FM artwork was the entrance to Warren Publications' warehouse of beastly baubles, petrifying posters, macabre masks, creepy collector's items, monsterific models, dazzling dinosaurs, and, well, you name it, some things were even nameless. A boy and his bread were soon parted in this torture chamber of a thousand and one delights, and the girl horror fans, too, had a hard time holding onto their purses when confronted by such an enticing array of gorgeous, ghoulish goodies to purchase and take home as souvenirs of the first Monster Con. He goes on to list a smorgasbord of items which sounds like they brought everything Captain Company had to offer in Famous Monsters. He continues with some comments from fans. What joy! Yes, you could not possibly imagine my joy as I marched up these hollowed steps into the Commodore Hotel. The same steps that Sir James Warren, Vern Langdon, and Forry Ackman walked. And what did I see? Every bit of monster memorabilia conceived. I was ready to clean out the place. Magazines, masks, posters, buttons, just everything. Such a sight is rarely seen. I'm sure there have been many letters of exuberance such as mine. I just thought I might add mine to that infinite list. Then, to add, I had met others who are into makeup like myself. We traded ideas, secrets, methods, and artifacts. What a time. In conclusion, I would like to say, and I'm sure I speak for every other FM fan, give us more monsters. Give us another great time. Give us another monster con. Another fan had this to say. Your famous Monsters convention was great. It wasn't a quick make a buck thing, but showed quite a bit of planning on your parts. You, Mr. Editor, showed a great deal of self-control and patience, what with kids coming up to you, asking the most inane questions I've ever heard, and you having to repeat the answers three or four times so it would sink in, and the autograph hounds clawing at you. I myself got your signature three times. It's a wonder you didn't run out clawing your temples. All in all, it was a lot of fun. Vern Langdon was great. The artists, especially Gogos, were interesting, and the painting exhibition was terrific. Your convention was great, and I've already signed up for next year's. And this comment from a young lady fan. I don't know whether you remember me or not, but I was the 11 and a half year old five foot blonde girl that followed you around for nearly 11 hours. Just after the auction, I was waiting for the elevator to bring me down to the lobby. When I saw one of the elevator doors open, I jumped in without realizing that it was going up. When I got up to about the 22nd floor, the doors finally opened, and there you were across the hall as big as life, with your hotel room door open. I saw that you were talking to the girl that I paid for an hour's time with you at the auction. I waved to you just before the elevator door closed again. Then during the trivia contest finals, you called on me twice to ask questions. My questions were, how many airplanes actually appeared in King Kong? And how much did the hump weigh that Lon Chaney wore on his back in The Hunchback of Notre Dame? What made the day doubly exciting for me was the fact that while I was looking at the mask in the West Ballroom, Channel 2 News came by and asked me if I would like to try on one of the masks so they could put me on the news that evening. Of course, I agreed and asked if I could use a Dr. Zayas mask. I got so attached to it that I had to buy it. Thanks for a great day. 
There are a few more fan comments to go over, but we will save them for the next Bash episode. This is Kenny, and we just took a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. See you next week. planet of the apes was just the beginning. What lies beneath may be the end. 20th Century Fox takes you beneath the planet of the apes. This is the year 3955 AD. The apes are building a war machine aimed at planet domination. Superhuman mutants strike back with new and terrifying weapons of the mind. In the atomic rubble of what was once the city of New York, Civilization's final battle is about to begin. The only good human is a dead human. Beneath the planet of the apes, with James Franciscus, Kim Hunter, Maurice Evans, Linda Harrison, and Charlton Heston. Can a world long endure half ape, half man? The answer lies deep beneath the planet of the apes. In color, rated G, general audiences. It's, it's coming, coming back. back. Creatures Con, the Bay Area's classic horror convention, returns to the San Ramon Marriott Sunday, July 7th, with spine-chilling special guests. Hammer horror legend Veronica Carlson, star of Dracula Has Risen from the Grave and Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, with director Joshua Kennedy attending the West Coast premiere of their newest feature film, House of the Gorgon. Plus, Twin Peaks stars Charlotte Stewart and Michael Horse, horror host legend John Stanley, and many, many more. But that's, but that's not, not all. all. You'll see unique CreaturesCon programs like the Monster Movie Quiz and Mega Chiller Theater. You'll shop our dealer's room filled with scary, fun, monstrous merchandise. All this and more at CreaturesCon, the Bay Area's classic horror convention, Sunday, July 7th at the San Ramon Marriott. For tickets and info, go to CreaturesCon.com. I'm making new friends. I'm seeing old friends here at the Monster Bash. We've got old friend of the show, old friend period. Tim Durbin, what's up, man? Uh, not too much. Just having the time of my life. <laughs> Until next time. Until next time, that's right. This is your second bash? Second. What have you seen so far, done so far? I've had a lot of fun just uh, meeting old people, meeting new people. I uh, spent a little bit of time with the Hammer ladies, so that was fun. And, okay, uh, I'm going to interrupt you there because I know yeah. you've been hanging out with Dan and Josh. So, right. of course, you're spending time with the Hammer, Hammer ladies. ladies. <laughs> yes. How's that been? Oh, that's been been wonderful. Martina is very gracious, and uh, Veronica Carlson is is just so sweet and, and so uh, fun to talk to. So, And you're here the whole weekend. Is there anything else you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the... Uh, uh, the Greg Bank lecture later today, um, Ooh, yeah. and uh, and of course the House of the Gorgon. Oh yeah, have you seen House of the Gorgon yet? Yes, I okay, have. Okay, so you have seen it. Yes. Well, that's right because I remember you posted about it on Facebook. And, yep. And you're still looking forward to seeing it again. Yes, I am. See, so that speaks to the quality of the film, right? Oh yeah. Now, I've yep. been telling people I've seen it like 40, 50 times working on it, and it was I never lost interest, man. I loved it. Yeah. So so good. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope people dig it. Are you going to try to do the first showing or the second one? I'm going to try and go to the first. 
I think I'm part of the uh, Kennedy entourage. So, <laughs> <laughs> see, I keep trying to get in on that. Dan's strutting around here saying I'm a made man. It's like well, I want to be a made. Make me, Dan. <laughs> I want in. Oh man, that's cool, man. So, you're a blogger. You've uh-huh. got a couple blogs, right? And we've talked about it here on the show, but. Mm-hmm. Can you mention them again? Yes. Uh, Viewingtheclassics.blogspot.com is where I uh, look at uh, vintage movies and horror, sci-fi, mystery, and and uh, um, anything that, that might pop up that, that I might be interested in writing a little bit about. Uh, my second blog is classicsonthetube.blogspot.com, where I look at vintage television. And... I follow the blogs. Um, I love them. They're, oh, thank and I think you. I mentioned this before when I've had you on the show before that you get in, they're like a little capsule review, and you get out. It's not mm-hmm. a lot of wheel spinning. I mean, you just kind of yeah. get in there, give your opinion, mm-hmm. and you move on. And uh, more often than not, I find myself agreeing with you. So oh, okay, we can still great. be friends. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's a very good thing. Anything coming up on the blogs that we should know about? I'm going to be. Um, Looking at some more Hammer films, probably, and and whatever I can get my hands on. Right on. Well, you know what we got to do? Yes. We got the Classic Five. Excellent. I got the deck of cards here. And you will be the first person we're playing with today. No problem. No, no pressure. No pressure. Although, of course, as always, there are no wrong answers. All right. Card number one. Here we go. It's from the Universal Deck. Which movie do you prefer? House of Frankenstein or House of Dracula? I would go with House of Frankenstein. Karloff is a big draw, obviously. And um, I just like the, the balance of the monsters with, with uh, Carradine's Dracula and, and Cheney's Wolfman. And then you've got Karloff. And, and you've got that very sensitive uh, performance by Jane Carroll Nash oh, as the Hunchback. So Totally underrated. I don't think people talk about that performance enough. Mm-hmm. It's really moving. I love, I love both of the films. House of Dracula lets me down a little bit because it's not enough Carradine for me. Uh-huh. But House of Frankenstein, you don't see a lot of care, you know, Dracula Frankenstein action. I, I yep. wanted, it's like the movie's almost two stories kind of mashed together. Right. So, but it's still Karloff. Yes, Professor of Neiman, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, who's your favorite actor to play Dracula? Lugosi. It's got to be. Hands down. Yeah. Hands uh, down. I mean, it's just such an iconic performance. Yeah. And, I mean, other people have said he's everybody's image of Dracula today. Yeah. Despite the fact that... that 50, 60 other actors had played him. It was his greatest role. and For better says, or worse? For better or for worse. And uh, it's still a favorite and, and still um, still just a, an absolute classic. Good man. All right. Hammer card. All righty. Favorite Alan Gibson film? Dracula AD 1972 or The Satanic Rites of Dracula? I would go with uh, 1972. It's just so fun. Is it just because Chris Deems here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's so cool. I went yeah. and chatted with him. He is Super cool. sweet. Super sweet. He is cool. And he brings so much to House of the Gorgon. So, so I oh, think a, a, lot, a lot of people are going to enjoy his performance tonight. Yeah, yeah AD 72 is, is just a lot of fun. It's, it's a definite departure, but um, everybody seems to be enjoying themselves and and the soundtrack is oh is, uh, stone just, ground yep stone, stone ground, ground. <laughs> yeah um i'm with you i love satanic rights but i feel like satanic rights of dracula kind of whimpers a little bit out at the end uh-huh. which i mean i know chris Frilly was done but yeah yeah 8072 is just fantastic uh-huh 
All right, here we go. What classic monster movie would you like to see turned into a theme park attraction? I like the idea of, of Creature from the Black Lagoon, and, and I want to see the um, uh, the tour guide get abducted by the creature. And <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see that. I'd yeah. love to see that. Yes. I, there really needs to be more classic monsters in the parks. I would love to see that so much. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. Who else could have or should have played a werewolf? Mm. That's an intriguing one. Um, I'm trying to think... Who I would have gone with. Let's go with John Carradine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Carradine put his heart into everything he did. Yes, he did. He was a working hard act, a hard working mm. actor. Yes. But occasionally he could get a little hammy uh-huh. and chew up the scenery. Well, no, this so, time he would actually chew up the scenery. That's where I was going with that, man. That's where I was going. Am I that transparent? That's where I was going. Yeah. I would love to see that. That'd be so much fun. Yes, indeed. Oh, man. All the would've, could've, should've's had come up during this game. Uh-huh. Man, Carradine is a werewolf would be phenomenal. Yeah, I want it. I want it. Somebody go write that fan fiction for me. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So, House of the Gorgon tonight. Greg Mank, we got coming up. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what else is happening. Tom Weaver's talk's coming up. No, wait, is he doing a talk? He's doing, doing his brain teaser trivia. Did you see that last year? I participated in it last year. Oh, that's year. right. That's yeah. right. And how did you do? Do you remember? I got six out of seven right. So I got... Look uh, at you, man. Yeah. So I won a copy of uh, Frank Delistrito's Werewolf Remembers. So oh. that was... Have you read that? Yes. It's really good. That's a really good book, yes. I won his new book, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Mm. Right on. Well, Tim, I appreciate it, man. Always love, I love chatting with you. I love seeing you. Oh, thank, thank you for you. being part of the show, too. I love having you on. need to do it more often. Need oh, to do thank it more you. Often. Well, have a good rest of your day, and uh, tell Josh and Dan I'm still waiting to be made. <laughs> okay, I will. I will. So, the person that I'm chatting with right now is somebody who was one of the first people I met at the very first convention I went to years ago at a Horror Hound weekend. It's back when I was producing the Mail Order Zombie podcast, many, many moons ago. And, and since then, I've seen him at other Horror Hounds before I stopped going to that. And then, of course, here, I'm talking with John Kitley. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You, uh... Are a book dealer? Yes. You have hooked me up with several Crestwood House books in the past, so you're my dealer, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like the sound of that. How's your bash going? It's going great, as always. Um, we started doing this 2015, and I am irritated with myself that I didn't start years ago. Well, where are you based out of? Um, Chicagoland. So not too far away. It's about an eight-hour drive, okay. which is which is why we didn't do these shows, because uh, of the drive, but... Around that time, 2015, I was kind of getting tired of the autograph shows. Mm-hmm. Decided to take a chance on this. And again, like I said, I've just, every year, this is just such a fun time. Um, the fans are great. The uh, The show itself is just packed full of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm irritated that I didn't start doing it years ago. <laughs> do you get a chance to get out from the table and do much? Yes, I do. Okay, and, good. Uh, much to the... Uh, irritation of my wife but yeah um, oh no she stay behind at the table she's behind the table working so it's always one of these i'll be right back i'll be right back <laughs> uh and the books uh mostly classic horror stuff or horror stuff at the table uh but you are also involved in publishing and, and writing right yeah I've, I've uh written for Horrorhound. oh man since 2009 maybe i think is when i started and then uh i've i've appeared on a few other books writing essays or stuff um and then we put out hidden horror 
um, in I think it was 2007. God, I can't believe it was that long ago. Um, and I was the publisher on that one. And my goal would eventually to be do more of these, but with a regular full-time job in the real world, takes a lot of time. But uh, th- that's my long-term goal is doing something like that. Well, when you sat down, you handed me a card for, is this, this is the new book. That's my new, that's my first book, yeah. Discover the Horror, One Man's 50-Year Quest for Monsters, Maniacs, and the Meaning of It All. Sounds like you've written a book like this for people like me. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much, it's semi-autobiographical, but then it's also me doing what I've always done on my website, a lot of ranting and raving, mm-hmm. my feelings on, on the genre and fans, but also to let other people know that they are not alone. Um, when I started going to the shows 30 years ago, didn't know a lot of people. If you were not at a show, you know, in your normal life, you didn't have a lot of friends that you could talk seriously about monsters and not be frowned upon or whatever. So for those few that are still out there that don't realize that there's a huge community out there, kind of maybe letting them know, hey, there's this whole world. You can be not a, a loner anymore. You can be part of a family. That's one of the things that I love about, especially the classic horror community, is that it's very inclusive. There, there are so many wonderful people that love this stuff as much as, if not more than you. Just, we're all just a big tribe, and mm-hmm. I'm out on the West Coast. I'm in Oregon. And I'm, I'm lucky. I've got some friends out there that are into this kind of stuff, but through things like the podcast yes. and conventions, there are so many of us out there. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. There's a real strong family vibe, and I love that. You talk to celebrities, and they will tell you horror fans are usually the nicest people around, um, the friendliest. Whether you're a classic horror fan, the modern-day stuff, or, or whatever, the drama that you talked about mm-hmm. is because you like this movie instead of this one. Yeah. That, that's the extent of the arguments is, how can yep. you like that? That movie's terrible. So you, it's just that argument of, of opinion, <laughs> Yep. Um, which is the fun part of of talking about movies mm-hmm. years and years ago when i was much younger you you do get that draw the line in the sand if you don't think this is a good movie you're an idiot and blah blah yeah. blah once you can move past that you always want to be open for other people's opinions even if it's a movie you don't like because they could bring something where you're not going to go i didn't think about that let me keep maybe a little bit more open mind mm-hmm. so i think all fans to a degree we need to move towards that but it is fun having that argument of no no no, this is the best frankenstein movie no no it's this one see the way i look at it is when somebody says that's like well i guess i gotta watch that one again just to find out yes yeah Yeah. that's the thing right yep well one thing that we do here on the show uh speaking of opinions and things like that we have a game that we play called the classic five okay uh and we've never played it with you before so i'll tell you how it works we've got a deck of cards here each one of these has a this or that what's your favorite movie style question okay speaking of opinions here we go wrong answers though and it's you know it's kind of like an icebreaker conversation starter kind of thing so i thought i would play around of it sure real quick john all right i'm gonna cut the deck here okay card number one when it comes to horror hosts do you want them to interact with the film or just shut up and show the movie i would say shut up and show the movie okay yeah do you have a favorite horror host uh, I'm from the Chicagoland area, so it's going to be Sangoli. I, I grew up watching him back in the day when he was a root first on, and uh, now I'm I'm not. I, I don't. I mean, I don't even want to sound make this sound bad, but I've kind of outgrown the silly jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But now that Sangoli's back on MeTV, and I found myself watching. I think it was last year he was showing King Kong Escapes. 
I was laughing my butt off. So <laughs> it's one of those things I got to be in, in the right mood, but it's still entertaining. Yeah. But I guess the real point is, is that these guys are working their butts off to get these movies out there to have people be entertained by them. So you cannot fault anybody for doing that. Exactly. All right, card number two. What's your favorite Bela Lugosi role? Ooh. Uh, oh, man. That immediately comes to mind would be Igor in, in Song of Frankenstein. Oh, that's a good one. But actually, no, no. It would be Igor in Ghost of Frankenstein. Oh, really? Because Ghost of Frankenstein is one that I can vividly remember watching as a kid. Okay. And when his voice comes out of the creature at the end. So even though he, he that character was in originally in the first Son of Frankenstein, but I think because Ghost is one of my favorites, mm-hmm. I think I would have to go to there. Okay. All right, card number three. This is a universal question. What's your favorite Evelyn Anchor's role in a universal film? Probably the Wolfman. Although she was in Hold That Ghost, wasn't she? Wasn't there in the Avon Costello? Yeah. Oh, wow. Deep cut. You're yeah. Right, with I, Richard Carlson. Yeah. Well, that's more of a comedy than horror, but it's kind of, I would almost say Hold That Ghost, because <laughs> wow. back in the day, I was a huge Avant Costello fan. That's awesome. I like that. Nobody's ever said that in regard to this question. Yeah. So that's great. All right, next question. Oh, I asked this from somebody yesterday. Una O'Connor, oh. a vice of character or actress. Do you like her better in The Invisible Man or Bride of Frankenstein? How about neither? <laughs> she is one of the reasons that... I do not like her characters okay. because I think it upsets the tone of the film. Mm-hmm. And I understand why they would put the humor in there to break the horror up, to get past, easier to get past the censors. Mm-hmm. But to me, her character is just like scratching the needle on an album. <laughs> How can you say that? I know. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> There's the drama. There's the drama. <laughs> All right. Final card. This is actually a, a hammer card. Do you prefer black and white hammer films or color hammer films? Yes. <laughs> um, you can't you can't pick that. I mean, that's how can you go wrong with their color <laughs> films? The Curse of Frankenstein, A Plague of the Zombies, stuff like that. But on the same token, Quatermass, I just say Quatermass, uh, Taste of Fear, X the Unknown. I mean, their black and white stuff is never take sweets from a stranger or candy from a stranger. Uh, hey, Four sided triangles, really. Four sided tri- all of that stuff is just amazing. But yet. I mean, you, you, I am not going to, I refuse to answer that question. <laughs> there is just so many. And, and I've, I've turned on a lot of people to black and white films in general, a lot of the younger fans, because mm-hmm. they're all black and white. I don't want to watch old movies, but man, so that is some of the best cinema out there. Yeah, agreed. Well, John, I love that we were able to make this happen. I've wanted to cool. chat with you on my podcast for years. Uh, just because of like, the connection that I had with the male or zombie, mm-hmm. horror hound, and all that. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, it's been years. It was a long time ago, but it, it stuck in my mind, man. You're so nice to me then. You've got a blog. Kitleyscrypt.com. And from there, can people find your bookselling business as well? I do not list the books that I sell on my website, okay. only at conventions. And the, okay. the reason being, it, it would take me longer to do that side of the business than the the writing side but if you're looking for something you obviously can email me and i can see what i got or i can help you out as far as my book it should be out uh, end of july first august 2nd i think it'll be live on amazon and through the website print ebook uh not ebook yet it'll be in print only for right now will you sign one for me i sure would there you go i sure would john thank you so much thank you all right so i'm sitting here chatting with old friends and see that the bad thing about monster bash is that i get chatting with people and i just find myself in my happy place (laughs) and i and i forget that i'm here quote unquote on business yes and uh i'm talking with todd here and i realize 
there's time. There's a microphone. Let's get him on the mic. Let's, let's talk about one of his favorite movies. How you doing, man? Good. It's Todd Brown from The Haunted Cinema. He's been on the show before. Uh, need to have him on more often because I love chatting with him. And we were just talking about Creature from the Black Lagoon films. Yes. And you said something that I don't hear a lot. Revenge of the Creature is easily my favorite creature film. Why is that? I couldn't. I don't know. I don't know if it's the breaking out of Marine Land or that whole thing with Marine Land. You know, um, I think Laurie Nelson's as beautiful as Julie Adams. There's no doubt about that. Laurie Nelson is amazing. Yes. I mean, there's no one-piece white bathing suit, but you know. And you've got the man. The man. The starring in the film. That's right. One of the patron saints of Monster Kid Radio. John Agar. John Agar. That's right. So for me, you know, you've got it all. You've got the creature on the, the monster on the loose in, in public, you know, kind of King Kongish, you know, you know, escaped into the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the cool 1950s settings of the, the Marine Land and the, the boat bar dance hall thing. I don't know what it is. I just love that. That film I just love. I, no, don't get me wrong. I do love the creature from oh, the Black Lagoon. Yeah, I mean, we can still be friends. That's right, fine. right. That's right. <laughs> creature Walks Among Us, I like it. It's you know, weak. <laughs> I've warmed up to Creature Walks Among Us over the years. Yeah. Um, I like the human story in it better than the monster story yes. in it. I just don't like what they did to the monster. It's sad. It, yeah. Well, not only, not only the story, but they took that crazy, cool, Millicent Patrick design and wrecked yeah. it. Yeah. I... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say there. Uh, in yesterday's talk, Frank Delastrito was doing a talk about Creature from the Black Lagoon and the sure. films. You mentioned King Kong. He made a really good point. There's a lot of King Kong analogies people make about mm-hmm. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. The thing is, is that by itself, it's kind of incomplete. And Revenge by itself is kind of incomplete yes. if you're comparing it to King Kong. Right. You put them together, that's the King Kong story. Yes, you, yes that's because, actually true. Yeah, because you're bringing him... From Start to finish, yep. get him yep. the whole way home. Yep. Yeah, now, I love that film. It's John Agar, man. I mean, you cannot top the exactly. Man. John Agar rules to quote the great man, the dead Elvi. If if they would, if it would have been John Agar, Laurie Nelson, and Julie Adams, <laughs> there you go. It would have been your favorite. There film, we right? go. There we go. So Laurie Nelson and Julie Adams did do at least one film together. Bend so, of the River. Was, was yeah, Western with, with James Stewart. Uh huh. And John Agar and Julie Adams did a movie together called Raimi. Okay. Which it's kind of hard to get your hands on. Yeah. And I think that's by design because the opening theme is sung by Jerry Lewis. And I think he kind of sat on that, on the rights on that for a long time. Oh, wow. But it's it's kind of a cute little movie. Yeah. It's not monster at all, but right. it's a cute little movie. Right. But I do recommend it if you get your hands on it. Awesome. Uh, what are you looking forward to today? So we, we came in. I, I came up for definitely some autographs, and, and I got them all. I did not come for posters, and I have a lap full, unfortunately. I found a soundtrack guy. I'm a big soundtrack guy. Yeah? Uh, you are, too. What did you so, get? Uh, I got Battle Beyond the Stars. Oh, well, that's which, Carl, James Horner, isn't it? Yes. And that is a fantastic... Um, it's an underrated score. People it is. People don't talk about enough about it, but it's great. And, and, and honestly, it's... For the movie, it's better than it has any right to be. <laughs> Agreed. And then Twins of Evil. Oh, yeah. So, so I love the Twins of Evil score. Yep. That, that is some good stuff. So so I was actually thinking before yesterday, I was actually at home listening to some scores going, you know, I go to these con- conventions, there's movies, there's, but nobody ever sells soundtracks. There's a guy selling soundtracks. And I was like, well, I complained about it. I have to buy some. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, those so, are both great scores. Yep. The... Uh, the James oh, yeah. Horner score in uh, that film. And Battle Beyond the Stars is a fun film. 
it's not Star Wars, but it's a fun film. But it's got George Papar. It so is whatever. exactly. <laughs> but I walked in, I was like, you know what? This soundtrack is way better than this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those movies that the parts are much greater than the sum. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Got to play the Classic Five with you, sir. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. Card number one from the Hammer Deck. What Hammer film character was the best dressed? Hmm. Martine Beswick. Oh, okay. Dr. Jekyll's sister Hyde. Both sides of the coin. <laughs> okay, then. All right. I like it. I like it. Actually, you could pick also anybody from Dracula 80, 1970, Carolyn Monroe from 80, 1972. Oh, man, there's a lot of love for 80, 1972 over here. I love, I love that movie. I'll be too, man. I'll be too. All right. What classic monster movie needs a prequel? Classic monster movie needs a prequel. I would like to see the prequel to The Wolfman with Bella Lugosi's side of the story. Ooh. That's what I would like to see. Yeah. That would be cool. I'd like to see yeah, that. Because he only gets like five minutes in the regular movie. Yeah. Like, but how I, did he get it? How right. Did, yeah. That would be the one that needs to could use a prequel. And you get more Maria Ospenskaya in the film. Exactly. So you and you got more Bella. Yeah. Well, you can never go wrong with more Bella. And, and he's yeah. not played a werewolf. So you got him playing a werewolf. There you go. All right. Which movie do you prefer? Nosferatu or Dracula? I'm, I'm going to say, you know, Dracula is iconic. And, and you say the word Dracula, you think of the guy in the tuxedo. Mm-hmm. But Nosferatu is creepy on all kinds of levels. That movie works today. It works when it came out. It's going to work 100 years from now. Dracula itself gets a little stodgy. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But I think Nosferatu just works. Dracula is a little stagy. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd Browning's background in silent films right. really shows. Right. Which is funny for us to say is a negative since Nosferatu is a silent film. But, yeah, right. But uh, Nosferatu is fantastic. Yeah, I, I think it, it's you know way ahead of its time in storytelling, and you know it probably benefited from no code for what they were showing and what they were implying, and, and yeah. just creepy. Agreed. It's creepy. All right, card number four. I was a teenage werewolf, or I was a teenage Frankenstein. I have a real soft spot for I was a teenage Frankenstein. They were here at the Bash last year, uh-huh. and I got the autograph. I think teenage Frankenstein. I think Werewolf is the better of the two films mm-hmm. by far, but I think teenage Frankenstein. I like any of the teenage. Put teenage in front of whatever. I was a teenage creature from the Black Lagoon. I'm in. I was a teenage, <laughs> you know, alien. I'm in. So, so I- I'm going to go teenage Frankenstein. I love Whit Bissell in that. Oh well, he's in both actually. Yes. So yeah, Whit Bissell is is one of those great evil uh, eagle doctors in cinema. I will watch a movie just because he's in it. That's right. And he's actually an evil yes. uh, doctor. I mean, he is evil in yeah, those movies. <laughs> that he is. That he is. All right, that was four cards. Let's go with the fifth and final question. Which movie do you prefer, The War of the Worlds or When Worlds Collide? I love both those films, but I'm going to say When Worlds Collide. Really? Okay. Only because, now, I, and, and when I say that, it's not like, one and I've just did two. It's like one and one ish. Um, I probably saw War of the or World when Worlds Collide more often on, you know, when I was growing up as a kid on the Ghoul or whatever channel. The colors, War of the Worlds gets that as well. The color, that Technicolor look, it's not even beat today. Yeah. But I think when Worlds Collide, just because of the fondness in my heart for that film that I have, War of the Worlds has Death Race. And uh, the Martian War Machines are the greatest. There's death, no doubt. There's hashtag no doubt. death rays are cool. There, there's no, again, that's like, you know, you, which of your children do you like the better? Which in the case of my son, it's one of the other two, for sure. But, oh. 
<laughs> but you know, it, that's th- those. Which do you like better questions? I know. Well, it's tough, but you know, it's fun to talk about them either way or consider them either way. So, I would rather it be like when worlds collide or the documentary on making paint. That would be an easier one. Okay. <laughs> I think somebody did put up like a ten-hour video on YouTube of watching paint dry. There you so. go. See, that would be that would be an easy pick. Yep. <laughs> although I will say, World of Worlds needs a good Blu-ray release desperately. It really does, although. You'll see the wires so much, but still, I don't care. I don't care. I mean, I, I, I that movie's so great. That, like I said, they're both great, but I love when worlds collide. It, it really is. Um, the last time I saw it was on the big screen. There was a theater showing it, um, kind of on their pseudo IMAX screen. Oh, awesome! In in Oregon, and I went to go see it there a couple of years back. And it, I was reading. A, I have glorious. a book about uh, from, about Blaisdell, and I talked about him making yeah. the monster. From is the, it the, the Midnight Marquee? Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's real fall, small paperback, but yeah, it's yeah. Paper, yep, yeah. it's a good book. Good book. Really they talk is. about that whole thing. Blaisdell was a genius, and mm-hmm. I know we appreciate him now, but so undervalued during oh, yeah. this time. And it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, when they said, here, six bucks, make us a monster that's going to last for the ages. And he did it. <laughs> he did. He did, he did, did it again it. and again. In some cases, yeah. in more than one film, with the shoe yeah. creature getting recycled for uh, uh, the, the Hot Rod Gang haunted house. Uh, so, Ghost of Dragster Apollo. That's it. Yep. That's it. Which yep. I'm going to be covering at some point awesome. with uh, Brett Stillo. I think, oh, awesome. So. Awesome. No, I like I said, I, those films are wonderful. Uh, what's coming up on the haunted cinema? Anything? Just published an article today about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. My son wrote a little controversial because I don't necessarily agree with him. He was kind of harsh on the film a little bit, but um, we've got some uh, we've got some more horror hosts. So we're gonna be we've been interviewing the artist who did the poster for House of the Gorgon. Oh, good. We'll be interviewing him. That'll Very be cool. coming up pretty Very quick. Cool. Um, and some more, lot, lots more. Scott Jackson, some other artists that awesome. we'll have up there. Very soon. It's hauntedcinema.com? Thehauntedcinema.com. Thehauntedcinema.com. Yep. Absolutely. Of course, link in the show notes. There will always be there. And Todd, we got to schedule a movie discussion at some point. we got to do something else. Yes, absolutely. we got to. All awesome. Right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye. Have a good rest of your bash. This is a prelude to Death Doth Hold Name, my new book with Rondo Hatton-nominated writer Kurt McCoy. And it goes like this. At night, the great raven sat upon his thorn-ridden, jagged perch, always one eye half-cocked, while he awaited a winged messenger of death, a death he had eluded well over many long, grueling years of sorrow and hatred. In the midst of that dark and dreary night, a tiny mosquito landed on the soft feathered back of that devil of the sunlit sky that son who was spawned by the hand of an unholy messenger. The raven shrugged slightly, rustling his black silky feathers. But the mosquito did not falter. For the moment, the great raven ignored that leech of the dreaded night sky, that blood-sucking, worthless filth that could spread disease or a blood disorder that might kill the great raven, but he remained still. The raven's mind was too filled with anguish to put one more thought in that blood-sucking parasite. And then the great raven thought, a mind filled with hate, at any rate, is better than killing your mate. He mused to himself a long-forgotten poem. A new day would come. A young raven was still awake at that witching hour, and he was rather curious. He asked, O oh, great raven, why do you hold such anger inside? In me will you not confide? He is closer to his old friend. The great raven responded, Young raven, be still. I don't have time to chat about my ill. For now could be time for the kill. No sooner had the last words crept forth from the old great raven's beak than death rode hard upon a stench that doth reek. Within a blink of an eye, the young raven was gone, cast to the depths of hell with the rest of his god-forsaking kind. 
He must now pay for his sins. That young raven had pecked the eyes out of many young, bawling fawn skulls. Long ago, on a dark and dreary night, he informed a murderous fiend of the position of his best friend's perch. He would without a doubt suffer with his old friend in Hell's domain for his treacherous ways. The great raven grinned sadistically in the darkness. He thought, O silly young raven, I tried to warn you so. Now taken to hell by my most hated foe, moonlight blazed off his weathered beak. Still his mind was unchanged. He focused on what made him so ill. He finally had enough of the mosquito that drew blood from his soft feathered back. He rotated his neck and his beak struck, killing the winged satanic parasite. He ate it, reclaiming his own blood. Now I hold your life force, parasite, the great raven whispered. His mind was sick, his eyes went squinty and he grinned wildly. He thought of witchcraft, for his master was Satan himself. But the fact that the loss of one of his flock didn't weigh more heavily upon him, I found rather strange. Perhaps he was aware of the sins that young raven had committed. That raven that now sat upon an unholy throne in hell. Perhaps Satan would reward such a fiend as this, for the great horned owl would feast upon the brains of his amiss. Tis, tis. The old, nervous raven held steadfast and whispered, Daybreak shall soon come, and I will start the morning with rum. O great horned owl, we shall murder you with a large sum. Hold still, my old friend. The menacing thought of bloodlust trickled throughout every crevice of his well-aged brain, for that bird was surely insane. Death to the talisman that make that great horned owl live was what I was sure the old raven would claim. No, the old great raven was too focused on his own flesh to ever care for the life of another. Why, how else had he reached such an age? He undoubtedly had purpose, or he would not still be on this earth. And the fact that I speak to this creature drives deep, for I was caught between these two foes. We just heard a reading from Death Doth Hold Name. Yes, sir. This is Brad A. Braddock. Welcome back to the show, man. You were on a couple of years ago. I don't know if we chatted last year or not, did we? I missed out on that great opportunity, but I'm, I'm so happy to see you again and, and to be part of the show again. Yeah, I, this is the new book. Uh, how's it doing for you? It's doing well. Kurt McCoy and, and I got uh, involved together on this project. He is uh, a Rondo Hatton-nominated writer, so it's a real joy to work with Kurt. And uh, it's, it's doing well. We're having a lot of fun with it. So this is a, uh, a collection. It's two novellas. Yeah, one, Kurt McCoy's story is based on uh, The Phantom Creeps from 1939. Uh, everybody knows that serial, I'm sure, if you're, if you're a, a monster kid and, and, and you love that sort of thing. But uh-huh. uh, it takes place about 12 years after Z- Dr. Zorka's bombing spree. So Kurt takes one of the iron monsters and turns him loose, and he has a good time doing it. Right on. And then your piece, very poetic. Uh, with, with the language you were using and, and all that. What, what is it based on? The raven, the ravens speak in verse, so the whole book is not poetic like that, but the ravens do speak in rhyme. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where that came from, but the story is about a flock of ravens that uh, wish to kill the last great horned owl in their woodland. And if you mix that with some Satanism, ghosts, you got a nice tale of madness there. But uh, for some reason, the ravens do speak in verse. Hey, I like it. I can't explain why. I like it. Now, I've read this as a, a Kindle edition. This will be the, the Dead Tree edition I'm holding right now. It's available on Amazon and for Kindle, like we talked about. And you've been busy. I mean, you've got this and Arcane Shadows Press. This is your press now, right? You know, we've been published before by independent companies and all that, but it's it's... For some reason, it's very difficult to get uh, a publisher to want to do uh, fiction, let alone fiction that's based on classic horror. So, 
a group of us have got together and, and started this Arcane Shadows Press, which will focus on publishing works that are based on classic horror in the utmost respect, you know, just building upon what's already been established by different films. So we want to embellish upon them and, you know, add something new to the genre, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I mean, it, I've read Memoirs of Murder. So I, I know your aesthetic and where you're coming from there. And you moved that over to Arcane Shadows, didn't you? I did. I did. Yeah, I, I was, that was with a different publisher a while back, but that is, that is now with Arcane Shadows Press. So that press will be focused just on maintaining the memory of what we love so much, which is the classic horror film. I love this stuff, man. This is my bread and butter. This is... You know, just what I love, the classic oh, yeah, we, stuff. We, absolutely, I mean, we, all of us. So. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I can't, I can't recommend what you do enough. And, and like I said, I've read this book already. I've read some of Kurt's material. And of course, I've read Memoirs of Murder. You guys got it, man. You guys are doing it. You, you got it down. Along with you, I've, I've been diving into your latest piece and, and enjoying it dearly. Oh, well, good. Enjoying it dearly. Thank you. Yeah, I've got, I've got the digital and the, and the dead tree edition, as you like to say. So I'm honored to have that. And I'm honored to, honored to be part of, uh, your world that you're you helping to preserve. Man, I love it. I love this stuff. Now, we got to play the game. we got to play the Classic Five with you. Let's do it. So, all right. Deck of cards here. Each card has a question on it about classic monster movies. This card actually comes from the Monster Bash expansion. What's your favorite Monster Bash purchase? Oh, my dear God. So, I've been coming to... If I can be a little long-winded. I've been of coming course. to Monster Bash since about 2000. So okay. back when there were Suncoast stores. Remember there were Suncoast stores? I used stores? to work at one. Did you work at one? Years ago. So a gentleman at, at uh, a Suncoast store recommended me to come to Monster Bash 2000. It was a, a Bela Lugosi dedicated oh, theme they wow. had that year. Anyway, probably uh, Bela Lugosi Jr.'s autograph. That was probably one of my favorites. I got, got to shake his hand and meet him, so... That was that'd probably be it. All right, I'm so jealous. I've never met him. I met Sarah Karloff. She was there that year as well. She was beautiful, wonderful person. Uh, but Lugosi Jr. I've never met. I've always wanted to, and just hasn't happened yet. So, so I'm jealous, man. <laughs> All right, card number two. What other monster should Abbott and Costello met in the movies? Because they did The Invisible Man, Frankenstein, all those. What monster should they have met that they never did? I've got to give Kurt McCoy a shot on this. He thinks the lost Universal monster is. The Iron Monster from the 1939, The Phantom Creeps. So I gotta, I gotta say, I gotta say that that would have been amazing to see. And then Costello meet the Phantom Creeps, the Iron Monster. The Iron Monster. I gotta, I gotta, I guess I gotta give that one a shout there. No, I love that. I love that. (laughs) Everybody always says, you know, creature from the Black Lagoon or something like that, but I love that. As Kurt McCoy says, he is the forgotten monster of of the of the Universal film. He's been banging that drum for a while, and rightly so. Yeah, gotta give him a shout out on that. I like that. I like that a lot. (laughs) All right, card number three. Oh, and here's another Abbott and Costello one. What's your favorite Abbott and Costello meet monster movie? Oh, it's got to be Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. The first. The, the original. That's, that's just, it's just so brilliant. Well, it's a monster rally. You got three for the price of one. As a kid, you watched that. We, we've all watched as a kid. It's you probably watched it with your granddad or whoever. It has a special place in my heart anyway. That was the first Universal monster movie I saw. It was the very first one. And that one gets you hooked immediately. I knew the stories of the others from like the Crestwood House books and things like that, but this was the first one I saw on afternoon television one weekend. I was at my friend's house and it came on and I drove them nuts because I knew the stories because of the, the books. So I was like, and this is what happened here and this is what happened there <laughs> while we're watching the thing. But I was just, I was hooked, man. It's, was it, hooked. it's brilliant. It's beautiful. Although I've got a soft spot for Invisible Man. I really like that one too. Oh yeah. It's a great one. All right. Who's your favorite actor to have played Dr. Frankenstein? Well... I mean, Colin Clive, you got to go the original on that one. You know, I, I'd say um, 
Yeah, absolutely. Cohen's wife's amazing. Yeah. You got to go the original. Underrated one. actor. Doesn't yeah, get enough attention. He died young. Brilliant. Yeah, guy. he had a rough time of it at the end. It's yeah, too bad. Yeah. When you, he has such there's such passion in the, in the original film. I mean, both the bride and, and the, but man, is he passionate? Yeah, I, you got to go with that. One. And I just watched Mad Love the other day. Not that Peter Cushing's not fantastic. No, no, I know. Not that Peter Cushing, but he's he's just he's not. Yeah, so, just, would you start to say? I that just I watched Mad Love the other day. Okay. And he's in that too, and, the, and he's facing off against Peter Laurie. And he holds his own, and it's great. Oh, yeah. You know, he's just a wonderful actor. All right, final card. Tarantula or the Deadly Mantis? <laughs> oh, my dear goodness. Well, I would think in my mind that the uh, the Mantis would be a little bit underrated, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Mantis. <laughs> That's what everybody keeps telling me, even though I love Tarantula. <laughs> Got to go with the Mantis. But Deadly Mantis doesn't have John Agar. <laughs> Or Mara Corday. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> but, but it's Tarantula. Or Clint Eastwood. There's no Clint Eastwood in Deadly Mantis. One of my favorites is Clint. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. No, I love doing this with people and talking with folks. And the Iron Monster, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah it's a forgotten. That's the, that should be probably part of the, the whole cliche there. But, no, it sounds uh, like Kurt's got his work cut out for him. He's got to make that awesome. happen. Derek, you're awesome, brother. Hey, I thank appreciate you. Appreciate you, my you. friend. I appreciate everything you've done for me. I mean, off mic, Brad really helped me out this weekend. So thank you, sir. Well, you're the man. And you do so much for this world. And we, we got to give you a big bear hug when we see you. So we love you. Thank I appreciate you. it, man. Have a good rest of your show, man. Everybody, this is Heidi Bennett of Vibrant Visionaries Podcast and Spinal Tap Minute Podcast. And this is a quick little promo for an upcoming event, and it's Movies by Minutes Portland. We're going to be meeting up in Portland, Oregon on Saturday, August 24th for live podcasting games on the stage we've got the movies by minutes guys from star wars minute actually it's going to be a mashup of star wars minute and the godfather minute the newly pod game rick from mad max minute is going to be hosting that vibrant visionaries where i'm going to have the fellas from open the podcast doors hal <laughs> which i think you could probably figure out which podcast that is and then just added the cast and the furious. So lots of live podcasting and some games going on. Tickets are $20. It's a family friendly event. It's really a social event. It's not just for the movies by minutes listener, but the podcast listener and fan alike. Go to moviesbyminutes.com slash Portland. That's moviesbyminutes.com slash Portland. Portland to buy tickets. Again, tickets are 20 bucks. See you in Portland. No. No. Sheer stark terror grips you in underwater 3D in Creature from the Black Lagoon. The most terrifying monster of the ages rises from the sea, raging with pent-up passions. Making every man his mortal enemy, every woman's beauty his prey. Creature from the Black Lagoon. In 3D, starring Richard Carlson and Julie Adams. Every horrifying scene leaps out of the screen right at you. A universal re-release, rated G. How do you keep the the high that you get from Monster Bash going? How do you hold on to, to the monsters and keep them in your heart? Well, you... Hopefully, have somewhere in town that is showing your favorite film of all time. And that's what we're doing right now, actually. Uh, I'm here with Chris McMillan, who just waved at me, which is great for podcasting. I know. I'm sorry. You were talking. I didn't want to interrupt. (laughs) (laughs) And I forgot. You don't have your camera out. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, We are outside the Academy Theater, which... 
for some reason or other, decided to show Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D, 35mm print, red and blue, or red and green, whatever. Red and blue. Um, where are my the glasses? Red. It's the red on the right side, whatever yeah. it is. Uh, so yeah, that's what we ended up watching. Yeah, and, red uh, and blue. And uh, it was it was pretty amazing. And Man, I'm so glad you got back in time for that, because you haven't been back in town since Monster Bash for more than like a couple days. Yeah, I, I got back... Um, early Saturday morning after being in Florida with my dad because Lord knows I don't want to fly over to the East Coast fly back and then fly back over to the East Coast I figured I'd make it all one round trip and yep. and it worked out okay but yeah it's uh, like my second day back in Portland it's like sunny the creatures playing in 3D it looked beautiful on, on the Academy screen you made a comment about that because we've seen it in 3D film red and blue before at the Hollywood but I think you're right. It looked better here. Yeah, it really did. Something makes me think, because, I mean, knowing the Hollywood the way that we do, they're very big into film. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it was a bad presentation, but that theater is a lot shorter from camera booth to the mm-hmm. screen. So I think that might have had a lot to do with it. There was still a little ghosting, but it wasn't as prevalent. Some of the ghosting, uh, you see it with the opening titles and some of the extreme things firing at the screen stuff, but... Overall, I was very pleased with it, and I, I I know I seem a little bit more down than I normally do, and, and that's the last time I was here um, was when Julie was here. Oh, and I'm I'm a little more emotional than I thought I would be <laughs> because, and I and I know you know she, she's a much bigger part of my mythology than I ever was of hers, and I get that, but. Um, yeah, I think the last time I even saw the film was here, when Julie was here. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of just got me thinking about her and all that. And Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit I teared up a little bit in the movie. So, well, anyway. Understandable. It, 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 you know, I, I get that because she's my 50s girlfriend, too. So, yeah. you know. So, but it looked great, and... Uh, I had a great time watching it, and I'm so glad I got here in time. I was having traffic issues, so getting here on time to watch the film was great. Uh, to see it with one of my closest friends was awesome. And uh, one of my closest friends who just recently had an amazing experience, first time, went to the Monster Bash. Uh, <laughs> we didn't record at Monster Bash. No. Um, well, you were the- doing all those interviews, and I was running around going, Wee! Oh, my God, this is awesome. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's what I was about to say. I, I barely saw you, man. You were a kilted blur, just running around doing all this stuff. And there was so much to do. Oh, oh, look, okay. First time Monster Basher. Just saying to anyone out there in Portland who's thinking about going, go. Not just in Portland. Anywhere. anywhere. It's, it's but, but I understand in Portland, you know, Washington, it's a long flight. But when you get there, it is totally worth it. Longer for some others. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You you had a really bad experience. Yeah. But you know what? I'm not letting what happened with American Airlines really. Uh, how do I put it last night? I was talking to Dan Day Jr. last night. I think <laughs> I'm not going to let American Airlines harsh my mellow. Is that what I said? I don't remember. But I, I it wasn't was ridiculous. There. I don't know. Um, but yeah. Okay. I mean, I get so, that. I, you know what? I, I was prepared to just 
stay in Chicago overnight if I had to at the airport there. Things got stuck on the way back. Getting there, I was a little bummed that I didn't get there with you and Dominique. Well, but you we know, flew different airlines. So. Yeah, we flew different airlines. You were supposed to get there early. Chicago, were you in Chicago again? Yeah, that messed you up big time. Yeah, yeah. And um, if there's anybody from American Airlines listening right now, you're going to have to do a lot to make me fly with you again anywhere. Just saying. I'm not booking based on your experience. I mean, um, Dominique and I, we flew on the same flight. Southwest. Southwest. And it was really pretty hassle-free. So, yeah. If you've even considered going, just go. Just go. Mm -hmm. You will have an amazing time. It's totally worth it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were so many cool panels and discussions. I got to watch Tom Savini shoot a guy. Well, okay. <laughs> Two guys. No, okay. Let me. <laughs> um, he, he did a demonstration of squibbing, and that was awesome and really loud. Yeah. Um, I was outside that, that room with uh, Dan and Veronica Carlson, and the gunshots started going off, and uh, she. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it freaked you know i jumped dan jumped but i think it really kind of freaked veronica out. oh i jumped too i mean i've shot guns before yeah. but yeah i'm doing a gunshot demo you know something's gonna happen i know it's gonna be loud yeah but the first one it's still like damn that's loud <laughs> you know but the thing is i met my tribe as you've always said i met so many people i've only known on facebook i've, I've oh god it was so <laughs> awesome we were supposed to go see okay here's the thing Apparently, a Monster Bash on Saturday night, they put up a screen. Mm -hmm. They have an outdoor movie, as you know. Yep. Just And it's usually, I mean, was it 35 this time? 35 millimeters? I think so. Yeah. And it was Revenge of the Creatures. So, of course we're going. Yeah. We're hanging out in the, the hotel lobby, talking, and just having a good time connecting with everyone. Yep. Next thing we know, it's like uh, the movie's half over. Oh, well. Yep. Who cares? That happens. That happens at the Bash. I didn't. Have that happen as much for me this time because I was at the table so often. Yes, but I you have were. had that happen uh, in the past where I go and I just get caught up in communing <laughs> with my fellow spirits. I want to go back to Tom Savini real quick because um, I've been reading a lot online and, and I've known Tom Savini of Tom Savini for years. He was my hero for a long time when it came to special makeup effects and all that. Read both his books, watched the Scream Greats Volume One over and over and over again to learn about how he did his stuff. Um, when I first met him at a horror hound, it was kind of Kind of a lackluster experience, you know, and, and there are rumors. People sometimes say he's kind of cold at these things. I will say this, and I don't know if it was the Monster Bash, just getting to him or what. I wasn't in the room when he did the gunshot demo, but I was in the room as they were cleaning up. And Tom had this maniacal look of just joy and glee when he realized the blood got all the way to the projector. He's like, oh, the blood got to the projector, and he's pointing it out, and he was so stoked about that. Oh, yeah. There and, were... you know, so I'm just saying Monster Bash will bring out that kind of joy, you know? Well, and I'm sure to be thrilled to know that there was a guy in the restroom afterwards going, I got blood on me, and I was in the second row. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you got Tom Savini's blood on you? Well, good for you. Oh, that <laughs> sounded bad. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, I mean, even even he was, but anyway, uh, back to the bash. Um First time for you, second time for Dominique, I think the fourth time for me. Now, I didn't, I think you were there though. At, uh, was it Sunday night or Saturday night when you were doing that big, huge uh, Classic Five? Oh, that thing? was Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it was Sunday after everything kind of and shut down. We got really, really 
wacky. It, it was fun, and uh, I haven't even listened to the recording yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful that it works. Uh, so stay tuned. Fingers and tentacles crossed, ladies and gentlemen. We, you'll hear a massive game of Classic Five. Uh, that uh, went on for like an hour and a half? Oh, yeah. It was at least yeah. an hour and a half. At least. And we had multiple microphones on the table. Uh, everyone uh, was there. Yeah. I mean, uh, Steve and Steve. Um, Steve and Steve. Yeah. Scott and Tracy. You, Dominique. Kenny. Um, uh, Rich and Jeff. Yes. And, uh, um, ben, uh, Steve's son, Ben. Yeah. I mean. I'm sure we're forgetting somebody. I know we are, and I'm sorry. I mean. There were just so many of you to meet, and you were all amazing. I had a great time there talking with everyone. It's just such a friendly, nice atmosphere. Even the vendors I talked to were just friendly and nice. And, and uh, you know, isn't oh. Terry amazing? Oh my God, Terry, <laughs> you are awesome. Terry Mound from That's Terry Rific. Uh, you bought one of her shirts, and she's like special. She you special ordered something, right? Uh, yeah, I, I've got a uh, messenger bag with creature from Black Lagoon, a couple of um, head protectors, bandanas, because hey, you know, <laughs> um, and I also bought a Cthulhu wallet. Because <laughs> hey, everyone needs a Cthulhu wallet. Well, so yeah, well, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. She's she's amazing. She's somebody that I wish um, we had contact with in person more often oh yeah she's wonderful she's amazing Mm -hmm. and listeners look up that's terry rific on facebook that's her primary place of well where she does her stuff Um, her shirts are awesome i love my bride of frankenstein shirt oh Uh, i thought it looked and it looked good on you man it's a a good looking shirt it's a great shirt went with the kilt oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and And i I only brought that up for terry (laughs) well also for martine oh okay so let's talk about martine Martine Beswick. Martine like Beswick. My kilt. <laughs> there was a point where she was like, oh, and she's got that lovely accent. She's mm-hmm. like, if Caroline and I were here, we'd be going, hmm. And she gave this eye, <laughs> and I'm just like, where's the AED? Because my heart just stopped. That's <laughs> why <laughs> you posted on Facebook. Uh-huh. Um, you know, maybe we need to talk to Josh Kennedy and tell him to control his wife around you. But, uh. <laughs> no, no, he, no. She can go, she, whatever. And, and Veronica Carlson, you you saw the picture. I had it on Facebook. Oh, my God. I'm mm-hmm. just like, I think I walked up to your to your table afterwards and you're like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I just had the most amazing experience of my life. <laughs> pretty, it's pretty special. I mean, for people who love these types of movies, uh, and even for people who are just, there's no gatekeeping here. You can enjoy the movies. You can be discovering for the first time. It doesn't matter. Everybody's an equal fan at the bash. Nobody, you know, you're going to blend in. I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, there was no yeah. one-upmanship. There yeah. was no, is your nerd card, you know, stamped properly? Uh, do you know this? Do you know? No, it's just like. We all love these movies, and mm-hmm. we're having a great time. Yep, and I, I know there were movies shown there that I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch any of them, but I know they were playing, <laughs> and I put them down on my list of movies I need to track down and watch. Um, specifically, the Fu Manchu movie. I've never seen the Boris Karloff Fu Manchu. I haven't either. I missed it, but, you know, I mean, I was doing other fun things, so it's yeah. I, I, I can deal with that. I, I view it the way that we view the Lovecraft thing, you know, that we call it the Netflix test. Yes. If we can get the movie some other way at home, well, then we skip that and then go to a panel or a discussion or something. Right. Or just hang out with people. And, and that's 
that was probably what I was doing. I was hanging out with everybody because, I mean, it was seriously, Monster Kids, your tribe is in Mars, Pennsylvania. At least once a year, twice if you count the October one. Uh, and then there's the August big movie marathon they do in Ohio. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which I've never been to. I hear it's great. I hear it's it's fun. I hear the October one is a little a smaller event bash-wise. But, um, I mean, the summer one is the way to go. I mean, it really is amazing. It is. It is. Uh, so much fun. So you saw Martine. You saw Veronica. Did you talk to Christopher Neen? Oh, yeah. Wonderful guy. Wouldn't he great? Oh, so he sweet. was. He was. <laughs> and and um, he was referring to a movie he did. I Oh, I forget the name, but it's Patrick Swayze shot after, I guess, Dirty Dancing. Um, Cold Steel or something like that. It's it's a futuristic, post-apocalyptic, sword, you know, yeah, okay. battle movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember the name, but I was like... He was in that? Yeah, he was the villain. I don't remember that at all. Oh, I didn't either, but I remember the movie, and I'm like... And I went up to him, and I'm like, you know, you did really good against Patrick Swayze, because <laughs> Patrick Swayze has At experience. Point, yeah, he was. Well, and also, he's got some martial arts experience, from what I hear. So, oh. he's actually pretty knowledgeable about that stuff, and I'm like, you know, you did a great job against Patrick Swayze in that movie. And he's just charming. He's like, oh, well, thank you. I did train for a while, but Patrick came off of, you know, Dirty Dancing. He was in magnificent shape, and I just did what I could. He came over to the Monster Kid radio table, and you know, I walked him over, and we recorded for a few minutes, and I told him along the way, and I think I told a couple of people, I might have even told you this at the bash, I was having this moment of cognitive dissonance, because, you know, as a Monster Kid, I know him most from Dracula 80, 1972, as Johnny Alucard, who is not a nice man, but Chris Neem is a super sweet dude. Oh, he's wonderful. And to hear that voice and to see that face, my brain wants to go Johnny Alucard, but I'm hearing the nicest man ever. Uh, it, it, was, it was a moment. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. I, and I loved it. Guy was so cool. So generous with his time coming over to the MKR table. Yeah, no, so. he, no, he seems like a wonderful person. I did get to see um, Rico Browning. Was this the first time you met him? Yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I got him to sign a photograph, and then I got a picture from Mark Maddox. Awesome. And Great it was, artist, too. Oh. I want to have on the show at some point, and every time I reach out to him, he says, let's do it, and then we try to set time, and then... Well... If, but it'll happen someday, I swear. He's a busy guy, and he his is. paintings... I've, I bought two of them, you know, I bought... <laughs> yeah, I bought one of the creature and actually got him to sign it, and Rico to sign it, nice. too. Nice, um, You know, it's the creature swimming, so it's perfect. And then there was one he had for sale of... Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing at the end of Horror of Dracula. That oh, was nice. like, oh yeah, I got that one. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And he was he was wonderful. He remembered me. We talked for a while. Oh, he's a great guy. Oh, God, he's a good guy. He's a Once really again, guy. it's it's one of those things. But what was really funny is we went up to Rico Browning, um, Steve Turek, and I, mm-hmm. and all he wanted to do at that moment was talk about his. Um, second unit direction of Caddyshack. That's all Steve wanted to do or Rico? No, Rico. Oh, wow. Um, Because Steve, he said, well, I know you did some work on Caddyshack and Rico just went off on it. That's great, though. Yeah, and I did mention that, you know, I wanted to hear a little bit about Thunderbolt because that's one of my favorite Bond movies Mm. ever. Nope. More Caddyshack stories. And I'm like, well, you know what? If that's where we're at, that's where we're at. I'm good with it. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's a good dude. He is. And I mean, just just 
He's like, and another story, and another story, and we're just okay. I suspect we're talking Caddyshack yeah, and a monster bash. And I suspect he doesn't get asked about these projects as often. The first time I met him, I wanted to be that guy that didn't ask the same old thing. Right. So I asked him about Mr. No Legs. Probably not the best thing to open with because <laughs> um, he directed that. Yes. And uh, yeah, I kind of got the impression he didn't. <laughs> You know, and come on, we know what it is. It's Mr. No Legs. It's a guy yeah. with no legs in a wheelchair. He's a hitman for the mob. But John Agar's in the movie. So, well, well, there's that. Well, there you go. Yeah, I thought maybe talking about Linderball, because I figure he's been asked about Creature to yeah. death. But no, Caddyshack. Um, the scene with the bird getting hit with the golf ball and having it stuck on his beak. Totally improv apparently. Be aware, it was a ping pong ball, not a real golf ball. And when it got stuck on the bird's beak, apparently it just happened and the bird walked off and he filmed it. They showed it in the dailies. They loved it. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, All right. didn't know that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there were there was, yeah, he just he just went off on Caddyshack until it was time to talk creature in one of the panels. And yeah. then he was all creature. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else? Did you talk to anybody else? Well, I talked to uh, Drac. The horror host. Oh, yeah. Drac yeah. was pretty cool. Drac and the Countess Carlita. Yes. Yes. Wonderful people. I'd walk by Drac and he'd be like, hey, how you doing? I, I, Very I'm outgoing. Like, yeah. But I, I'm like, and he remembered my name. There you go. You know, I, you know, I was looking at some of his paintings and, you know, it's like, oh, for you, Chris. Here you go. It's like, sign him? <laughs> yep. Um, bumped into uh, the mummy and the monkey. Um, set up right also, next yeah, mm -hmm. and that was really. Easy. Although, I tried getting to their booth a few times, but I know they're off doing convention stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I found uh, that poster of the Bogans, uh, oh. the movie poster. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you were pretty excited about that. Yeah, I never thought I'd actually find an actual movie poster of that. And if you don't know what it is, it's a 1982 monster movie. Okay, the monster doesn't look real good, but the build-up to it is really good. And they have the best dog actor, aside from the husky in uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, that I've ever seen on screen. There is no escape. The Boogans. It's a fun movie. I saw that, and I'm like, 25 bucks? Oh, that's mine. Yeah, my wallet's still feeling the pain. Yeah, I, I purposely only hit the dealer room in full once. Um... I dipped in a little bit, a couple of times, but I only did one complete circuit once because I knew. Yeah. And there were a lot of things there that were calling out to me. <laughs> I, I, had to, I hope everybody else, I hope the vendor said okay without my contributing to their call. <laughs> oh, believe me, I'm pretty sure they did. I'm sure they did. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they did. Um, and, you know, I mean, there are also fans. I mean, yeah. you can talk to them about anything. Mm -hmm. Um. And as long as they're not busy and, you know, I mean, they're vendors. They're trying to make money. They're trying to pay for the table. They're trying to make a living. I'm staying there talking. I'm going to move if there's like two people or even one person behind me. Oh, exactly. But yeah. as long as there's no one there, they're just willing to talk mm -hmm. and just trade monster stories. Yeah, like I said, I was running around going, wee, this is awesome. <laughs> Did you see the guy that had, um, I guess... I guess they're custom action figures, but not quite. Um, oh, right when you go in the um, vendor's room over to the I think he was left. over to the right. Uh, either way. Yeah. He had some loose, but then he also had some in like little display boxes. Right. And he had one that he had made of Dracula versus Frankenstein. 
Yeah. I didn't see that one. Oh man, it was like, I, a, little I, it was like a little shadow box thing with a with a a reproduction of the poster behind them. And I asked him about that, and he he goes to what you're talking about. They were just. He's like, really? yeah, I, I love this movie, and this is how I do it. It's like, oh, okay, well, did you make the figures? Yeah, how did you do it? Well, I got a bunch of those uh, monster figures that Burger King had years ago. <laughs> and I found that those are real malleable, and you can carve into them, and they take the Super Sculpey really well. So that's what I use as my base. Like, that's awesome. Wow. I would oh. not have thought that. I would have immediately gone to old Star Wars or G.I. Joe or something. But nope. That... And he's right. Those are softer plastic. Um, he had a Frankenstein from Death Race. Oh, my God. No, I did not see that person's table. Now I have to go back next year and look for it. Going back to Dracula versus Frankenstein, he was also selling a reproduction of the ring that Dracula wears in that movie. And I was looking at it, and he's like, yeah, check it out. And he's wearing one himself, and he shows it to me. And he's selling it, and it's in a bag on a card, and it says authorized. And we were talking about that. He was selling them before, and then, is it Sam Sherman? Who did? No, it was Al Adamson. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. That group, not Al himself, but that group saw those, ordered one, got it, liked it enough, liked it a lot, and then said, okay, well, if you want, we can make this the official, you know, authorized Dracula. Wow. We'll license it and the whole bit. So, yeah. Oh, that's something that I would have really picked up. That is really cool. That is something I would have picked up if I had the funds, and I thought it might fit my finger. That is something I would have picked up. <laughs> Well, that's, of that's course awesome. it's got to fit your finger because you're going to wear it. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It, it is kind of a big, ugly ring. <laughs> but does it matter? True. It's not as classy as Lugosi's or, or, or Lee's Dracula right. ring, but it's cool looking. It's cool looking. And not only that, at the end of the movie, it shoots out lightning bolts for some reason. I don't know. Well, why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> because they have to end the film somehow. Well, they... I, I that saw this. Got some trouble production. So. Yeah, I saw they had a different ending. I think it was an original one, and it's like, well, you know, that actually kind of worked better. I thought, but you know, whatever. That's you know, still a fun movie. I love that movie, and we have probably talked more about that movie here on Monster Kid Radio over the years <laughs> than, than that movie really deserves because we know it's got its issues and production problems, and Lon Chaney's not in the best of shape. But you know, anyway, they didn't show Dracula versus Frankenstein at Monster Bash, so no. <laughs> I don't Too think they ever bad. Will. I don't think they ever will. Why not? <laughs> that would be awesome, I think. I, I would love to see that. Well, and it's another one of those movies where it's like, at the end, it's surprisingly violent. I mean, yeah. the um, um, Dr. Frankenstein's assistant falling on an axe face mm-hmm. first? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I saw that and I'm like, well, yep. whoa. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, just the bash. It's special, man. I'm so glad you had a chance to go. Well, and, and I'm going next year. I mean, are you I, are you committed to that? Yeah, I'm pretty much committed. I've already. I've, well, okay, I'm splitting it right now between paying off what I overspent on all the merchandising <laughs> in the merchant room, um, and going next year because I I'm I'm gonna go next year. I mean, I can't not go. I really, really want to go. I know that we've talked, Brenda and I have talked a little bit on the show uh, about how it was really difficult to get me out there this year, and and it was. And if I haven't said it enough, I'm going to say it again. Thank you to everybody who helped make that possible. You know, the hotel room GoFundMe thing happened, and you guys and gals are amazing for helping me out, and I appreciate it. Um, With me not working and and a few other things going on, it's difficult for me to commit to things. But after getting back... One, I'm supercharged about 
being a monster kid and, and, and loving this stuff as much as I do. But two, man, that's that's the only place I get to see some of these people. Yeah, you know, I know. Dan, Josh, Steve Turk, Steve Sullivan, you know, Mitch. Mitch was there for the Classic Five years. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Rich and Jeff and Mitch and all them and Kenny. Oh, man, Kenny's so cool. I uh, Kenny was I a... I love Kenny. He's going to be in town yes, here in August. Yes, and so. I have to go see him because, I mean, he was... Here's the thing, folks. I know he was heading in that way, but he was generous enough to drive me to the airport. I mean, I met him like three days earlier and he's already like yeah i'll get you there and kenny if you're listening thank you so much um really appreciate it that's the thing i mean this is you've used the word before i did this time tribe this is our tribe uh veronica called it the gathering of the tribes and and that's appropriate too it really is i mean brad braddock the author of memoirs of murder and author of some upcoming and editor of some upcoming books that people should check out arranged for me to get an uber from the airport to the hotel getting there um he was originally going to come out and drive you know pick us up but because of the snafu with the american airlines and all that you know i didn't have a way in and brad's like yeah just let me know when you get there Mm -hmm. like are you sure and there i am doing it again (laughs) (laughs) that's for dominique um yeah no i get that and he hooked me up man and that's just amazing yeah no i mean Seriously, it, it was, it was, I'm still riding high on it. I mean, Good. and then coming out here, it's like, nope, you know, I know it's a ways away. I'm still coming. Um, you know, Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, to the Academy, you mean? Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, to the Academy, because it's like, you know, I just got back in town. They're showing Creature. I'm going. The Academy and the Hollywood are showing Jason and the Argonauts. I'm going to make one of those two, because this is reinvigorated my love of these movies now granted you know i i do go outside of sure. the you know the you time setting with that. Yeah. With that. you know we go outside still, the genre the time whatever it's still invigorated me to go out and do this stuff and just not stop being a monster kid that i think that's that's very important yeah you and i are spoiled because of where we live yes we um, are and I, I don't think it's this way anymore but it used to be Portland used to have the most movie theaters outside of Hollywood this side of the Mississippi. Historically, Portland is a very theater-centric town. Mm-hmm. And while there aren't nearly as many as there used to be, and some of them have been turning into adult movie theaters, whatever. Um, and I think we got turned into a bakery. There's one out in Beaverton that's now a bakery, which is oh really really weird. It's like come on, man. But, well, and a lot of them, a lot of them, you know, the ones that used to do second run and mm-hmm. you know revival films have suddenly turned into first run theaters like. Um, the Mission and the yeah. Laurelhurst. Yeah, but but where I'm, what I'm getting at is that there, there are so many theaters here that we are incredibly lucky that the Joy Runs has Joy Runs Weird Wednesday. I almost screwed that up. The Academy <laughs> showing this series of classics this summer. The Hollywood brings stuff in. The Northwest Film Center has stuff. Oh yeah, we're blessed, man. We're blessed by Godzilla for all this, <laughs> and it's amazing um, that we can do this. And I feel sometimes maybe a little braggadocious when we talk about it here on the show about all this, but if you want that feeling, man, you got to go to Monster Bash yeah. because that's that's where it happens. And, and if you're feeling like I did before I went to Monster Bash, it's like, oh, God, I don't want to go there. It's just so hard to get out that way. And, you know, there's traffic and busing and all that, you know, because I do the bus thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, God, it's going to take me an hour to get out there. Going to Monster Bash, it's like, well, unless I'm not getting home before one o'clock in the morning, I'm going everywhere I can now. <laughs> it's just, yeah. 
<laughs> any any other thoughts about Monster Bash before we wrap up here, Chris? Only if you haven't gone, but you've been thinking about it, don't think, do. Just go. It's so worth it. Yeah, enough said, man. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on again. And if you do go to Monster Bash, look for the guy who's having so much... How, do I, how did I used to put it? Look for the big guy in the Hawaiian shirt who's having the most fun in the room. Well, you're the big guy in the kilt having the most fun in the yeah, room. Yeah, we're both having the most fun in the room. Come That's on. That's right, man. That's right. I went old school, man. I wore my Hawaiian shirts. I'm getting back into yes, that sound. Yes, you did. So, yeah. It's, um, it's something special, man. It is. It is. Vampires. Werewolves. Zombies. Yes, these things are real. But fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, the Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural, ghoulish, and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. enemy spy at large, an invisible man. It's, it's amazing. Oh, you will be of great help to us. Who is this terrifying Phantom Commando? What is his amazing mission? See The Invisible Agent, suggested by H.G. Wells' Invisible Man, starring Ilona Massey and John Hall, with Peter Lorre, Sir Cedric Hardwick, J. Edward Bromberg, Albert Bosserman, in the most amazing story of our times. Steady now. Don't let him get away. Who is there? How did you know I was going to England? I didn't, but... So the trap was all set, eh? Frank, how can you talk like that? Oh, what's this? Uh, it's full of hooks. Uh, oh, they're tearing into me. Was all of that enough Monster Bash for you? Well, if it wasn't, just stay tuned because we've got even more Monster Bash coverage coming next week. Even more people came by the table to chat. We had Josh Kennedy, the director of House of the Gorgon, the film that had the U.S. premiere at Monster Bash and will be having its West Coast premiere at CreaturesCon coming up. Well, you heard the promo for it earlier in the show. 
You're also going to hear some interviews with people like Christopher Neem, Veronica Carlson, and Martine Beswick. You might have heard of them. Plus, I have recordings from Frank Delostrito, and we tried to get a recording with Martine Beswick's Q&A and a few other things. Depending on how that audio turned out, you're going to hear that over the next few weeks as well. I love Monster Bash so much, and I'm so glad that Papa Bear had a good time and that Bill Mize, as he said, my new best-dressed friend, had a good time as well. It's just... mm. You know, if you didn't pick up on it from Chris's conversation or all the conversations that I had with everybody else, I I don't know what podcast you're listening to. The Bash is the Bash. It's amazing. And I can't wait to bring you even more Bash coverage in future episodes. So that's what you're going to get next week. Big thanks again to everybody who contributed to this episode of the podcast. Professor Frenzy's bedtime story is copyright Jerry Green 2019. And you can find a link to Professor Frenzy's podcast through the links in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net, where you're also going to find everything else you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Monster Bash. We heard from Papa Bear and Bill. I'd love to hear from you. If you were at Monster Bash, please consider giving us a call at 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. Or you can send us an audio file like Bill did to monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Now, we do have some other listener feedback that we're going to get into probably next week or so with Brenda. She'll be joining the show to go over that. So if you have any feedback about anything you've heard here on the podcast, well, feel free to send it in, and we'll get to it in a future episode. Also on the website, you're going to find links to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and our Twitter And there are links that will take you to Amazon where you can pick up your own copy of Brad A. Braddock's book, well, my book, and any other books that we talked about in this episode. If you use the link in the website, because we're an Amazon affiliate, we get a little kickback from them and you're hoping to support the show. Of course, the best way you can support the show is just tell a friend. We want to get as many monster kids together listening to this podcast and, well, hopefully meeting up at places like the Monster Bash down the line. That's pretty much it for me, so I'm going to remind you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Make sure you come back next week for more Monster Bash. Monster Bash.